right, everybody. Welcome to episode number 12, season two, Go With The Flow, which I think might actually be the season finale. I thought I was going to do another episode. No, mid-season finale. Okay. Season finale will be at the end of the year next year. Mid-season. I'll take, take mid-season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's still <laughs> still quite the accolade. Um, Very special guest in the building, as always. Everyone who wants to talk to me, very special guest. Um, Claire Schmeller, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, And it's so funny how, because we met a few weeks ago very coincidentally it was one of those days where the weather was really nice out in the middle of october whatever and i look out across i was at ivy look out across the street so saw some of my friends at ti playing i don't even know what the game was called yeah i have no idea i was just thinking about that like some string toss to <laughs> land on the bars game so they were playing that i walk over there and then you were there you were about to leave i'm like oh i need a partner do you want to play and then boom there we go and then fast forward a few weeks later, I'm reading some article that we're going to get so much more into about the honor code violation and all that. Keep scrolling, keep scrolling. And then I see her face. I'm like, I know her. I want to talk to someone about this. Let me get her on the podcast. So, yes. But the way that I start all these episodes is I ask my guests to introduce themselves, tell me what the, where they're from, stuff they do on campus, and just any other general thing they would want the listeners to know. So take it away. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, no, I, I think that, that one day that we did meet is so funny because it was a perfect procrastination method. You know, I was <laughs> trying to put off going to Firestone and then ended up being a great opportunity. Um, so, yes, my name is Claire. Um, I'm a junior on campus, and I'm from Northeast Ohio. Um, oh, another Ohio. Pranav is also from Ohio. That's way too much Ohio representation. <laughs> we should just end the episode right now. You, no, you got to go. More Ohio representation <laughs> is what we need. <laughs> um, but yeah, I on campus I play violin in the Princeton University Orchestra. Um, I am one of the co-chairs of the Princeton University Peer Representatives. I also work as an outdoor action leader trainer. Um, and I'm kind of forgetting other things. Oh, and I uh, volunteer for the Trenton Youth Orchestra Trend Arts at Princeton program. Okay, dope. First of all, real quick thing. I actually played the violin for six months back in sixth grade, so no big deal. We're kind of, we're kind of both violin experts in the room, so <laughs> yeah. if you ever need me to come help with the volunteer, and I got you. I, could I was going to say, I might have to ask you some questions. I could, you know? te- I could teach, the, <laughs> teach the kids a thing or two. Um, but so, like I said, there are so many things I want to get into this episode. Um, the first thing being course selection. Did you already do your course selection? I did early yesterday morning. Or, oh, wait, I was supposed to say this episode is being recorded on Thursday, December 2nd. Okay, so you did yours early yesterday morning. Yeah. How was the process overall for you? You know, it's always as I, I woke up with my roommates and I we were kind of just looking at each other and I was like, why are we doing this? But, you know, it's always a little bit stressful because you have, you know, the time I have like time.gov up on the on the screen. Is that the one that it has the seconds also? I do yeah, I do that also. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I hate to admit it, but I I, we definitely all do. I I practiced a couple of the minutes (laughs) leading up. Um I luckily got all my classes. Um I'm unfortunately taking a lab this semester, so Uh, all those, you know, kind of, I had, you know, a couple classes that I wasn't too worried about getting into, um, but I know a lot of people who didn't get a lot of their classes, a lot of juniors, I think, uh, had trouble, which is so, I think it's kind of frustrating, because you, I mean, honestly, I, waking up early is is a big ask for me, and anything that I wake up early for, I really expect to to come through. (laughs) Um, So I was happy that that my classes worked out, but I was definitely kind of talking through, 
you know, oh, email the professor and get on the wait list and do all these things um, with, with my other friends who didn't get so lucky. Did you did you say what your major was, by the way? Oh, I'm a history major. History. And what lab do you have to do for history? Oh, I don't have to do it for history. That's that's the Princeton requirement. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, this. oh, this is a, a new development to me. Okay, interesting. I mean, I could be history of science. I'm not. That's a thing. Again, you yeah. learn something new every day. I didn't know history of science was a thing. Do you have right. one or two JPs? I have two JPs. How's the first one going? You know, it's definitely going. It's going. <laughs> I presented it yesterday. So oh, okay. So that was sort of a nice, you know end of the semester kind of uh milestone but i now i have to like fully write it which is kind of a crazy thing <laughs> see but i'm i'm happy for you that you were actually able to get all the classes that you want because this is me i just did my final course selection which is kind of crazy yeah. i'm old i'm gonna be out of here soon my final course selection i don't think there was a semester where i ever got every single class that i wanted including with this last course selection that just happens, which you would think that as a senior, especially in your senior spring, you'll get everything you want. I'm here to tell you that is not in fact the case. And I actually knew so many people who also didn't get every single class that they wanted, which was extremely frustrating. But what made it so much more frustrating was, so I'm a neuroscience major, okay? Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I mentioned this 50 times an episode. Mm -hmm. There was a seminar that I wanted didn't need, wanted, but so I have two more requirements, and this was one of the two that I wanted to do to fulfill my requirements, be done with neuroscience, get my degree. Right. This one seminar, Wednesday afternoon, 1.30, 4.20, would have made my schedule so perfect. So, you know, 7.30 a.m., which again, way too early. Yeah. <laughs> and it, what's wrong with 12 noon or 6.30 at night? Well, that period when there's no athlete practice, when no one's doing that, 6.30 at night. Why does it why do, why do they make me wake up so early just to be frustrated and ruin the rest of my day? I'd rather they ruin the second half of my day. But I, I digress. So, try to get into the class. I don't get in. There's 20 spots because there's 10 reserved for juniors. Now, no. you're a junior. I love the juniors. You're a cool person. I love the juniors. Thank no, you. no. But why in the hell are half of the spots reserved for juniors when they get a whole another year here to be able to do whatever they want? Why not make it 20 spots, first come, first serve, so seniors will get it, so I could get it, knock this requirement out of the way, and now I can move on with my life. But because I didn't get it, I had to reshuffle my schedule so much, and now I have three 10 a.m.s my senior spring. No. That's so tough. I just had to, I had to let that out. It was, it was a very frustrating, what was it, Tuesday, Monday, whatever morning for us. And I am still pretty annoyed about it. As you should be, honestly. I mean, that's what's frustrating is if it doesn't work out, then usually like my schedule is contingent, like everything is contingent on everything. You know, like yeah, one, one class being mixed up means I have to actually change like everything yeah, around. Yeah. And then the, there was this, I think, so there was one class that I'd get, I did get into, but it was a class that was supposed to happen in the fall and it got canceled. And so they were redoing it this spring and everyone who was signed up in this fall got priority, but they didn't tell that to everyone. And it's a very popular class it was EGR 494. Everyone wanted it. And so everyone who wasn't originally signed up, they didn't know that they were like a hundred percent not going to get it. And so there was a lot of frustration because the class was already filled up before it even opened up. Right. And there was just that lack of communication. Uh -huh. So all around the course selection process, I personally am glad that I'm done with course selection forever and ever and ever and ever. Right. And I hope for your sake that things get better, that you're able to get all your classes senior spring. Because if you don't, it'll be frustrating. And you'll be sitting here three days later, still very annoyed about your senior <laughs> spring schedule. And that's just all I had to say about that, because I was very frustrated. And it's nice having this podcast because I just get here and rant. This is my oh, yeah. this is my therapy. <laughs> As it should be, you know, you need an outlet for it. Well, no, I think that's, 
like Princeton is great because there are so many amazing classes, but it's funny that course selection becomes such a big part of like every semester. Like even, you know, I use looking at courses to like procrastinate my actual work. Um, and, and then, you know, by the time I actually get the classes, then I'm like almost ready to start picking new ones, you know, like <laughs> it's, um, it's just such a never ending cycle of like hopes up sort of frustration, you know, you don't know how it's actually going to go, but um, I'm happy to be done for the semester. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so we, since we've scheduled this podcast, there have been so many more developments in, in our Princeton lives. Mm. And so the, the biggest one by far has been the spike in COVID cases on campus. So first initial reactions to just the high increase in cases. And then second to all the guidelines that came along with it. Actually, yeah, just that. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's so tough because obviously we're coming from like a year over a year of COVID restrictions and just uncertainty. And so definitely, you know, I think finding ourselves back in a place of such uncertainty was a little bit like triggering kind of, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, wait, like this is making me feel like freshman spring when we're going to get sent home or um, you know, even like, I, I think like there's an Omicron case in California and it's like, that's how it happened with initial COVID in general. Um, I think in, you know, on campus, it is definitely kind of frustrating the, the difference between like social restrictions versus everything else. Um, I, I almost would have liked to see like an immediate, like kind of take two days to just like really limit interaction and then hopefully cases would go down from there. But I also think maybe cases have already decreased a lot, and so I'm kind of hopeful that this will kind of be a one to two week thing. Hopefully not too much will be, like, you know, completely overturned, but at the same time, like, eating club formals are canceled, or postponed for a really long time, and that's good for my short term getting work <laughs> done, but, you know, long term, I think that's, it's everything, just, you know, having to remake plans is, is really frustrating. Um and so, yeah, it's kind of like a flashback to the times that we really wanted to leave in the past. Um, so hopefully we can all kind of just move past this quickly and, you know. Yeah. And honestly, I agree with basically everything you said. And there's just a few more things. So first thing that you said, or one of the things that you said, and this is, again, the more like because we've missed out on so much and we're looking to come back, it's just sad that we're having to have all these things for postponed. But something like eating club formals where we've all been looking forward to looking forward to it for so long to get a few days away and have it postponed to so far away. It is just very frustrating. But again, that's one of those more trivial things. That, mm -hmm. Again, it's not life or death. Life will go on without the formals. Yeah. It's, you know, hope, hoping that this these sorts of social restrictions aren't as long-lasting as they were in the past. Hopefully we don't revert to something like a social contract. And I think for, for me at first, I, at first I was confused because the cases weren't, from what I saw, there weren't that many, and mo the majority weren't undergrad cases. Yeah. But then I looked at the dashboard, and I'm looking at it right now, and then last week there were 21 undergrad cases. So I was like, okay, maybe they're not overreacting as much. But like you mentioned, it is the inconsistency and the hypocrisy of, oh, if it's, a so if it's an academic setting, pack as many people as you want into the lecture, into the exam, into the whatever. But the second, say, this professor steps out of the room, it's all of a sudden not safe to be there anymore. I don't think COVID is thinking that way. It's not like, oh, there's a professor <laughs> in that room. Let me not go infect people. So that was probably the most frustrating part. Like you said, it would have made sense to be like, okay, first two days back, maybe everything go virtual. 
let all the cases die down. Let's test everyone. And then we'll see if we need to, whatever action we need to take. Because it really just takes us back or takes me or yeah, both of us back to that semester when we first got sent home because that was midterms week. And it was so annoying because they just cared about us getting our midterms done. Mm -hmm. Harvard was like, everyone go home the next day. They're like, oh, it's midterms week. We'll send you home at the end of the week after you've done all your exams. So again, it's just more of that where school is always the first thing that always comes first here. They want to say it's our health, but it really isn't. I think there's probably better ways they could have taken care of things, but I think the hypocrisy in in the inconsistency is probably the most frustrating thing for for all of us across the board. But do you see this being what is kind of and this is like a okay, not like a sad question, but what do you see being the the worst case scenario come spring? Yeah, that's a great question. That is a bit of a sad question. <laughs> I, you know, I, I mean, like, I even found, because I didn't take a gap year, and I, like, found myself, like, oh, my gosh, is this going to be something I have to think about again? Because I think that is the question everyone's kind of asking this spring. Um, hopefully, actually, like, winter session makes the spring a little bit easier to process or just kind of, like, slowly transition into. Um, I, I really don't know. I think, like, worst case scenario is that we're online. Or, you know, there's some, I mean, the, the, it's kind of balancing, like, campus capacity with, like, how many restrictions or, like, I guess, I don't know, distance you can, like, put between people. Like, for example, last spring, everyone had their own room and that sort of, like, I don't think that's just not possible with everyone back on campus. Um, but I think, you know, if everyone gets their booster and, like, if we can kind of, like, continue i don't think we're gonna lose the masks in inside really yeah that was uh, we we were so close we were really there was close. a week when there was no cases i was like fuck yes the yeah. masks are coming off let's yeah. play future mask golf over and over and then we it was and then there was one case and then it just started piling up and piling up and now we're at a point where i don't see us losing the mask indoors but either it really you know it was as you said not undergraduates and i think that is something i would like to see a little bit more attention to like obviously there's an undergraduate spike right now but we've also been so good the whole semester we've been wearing great. masks yes um but i think you know just because there's one spike i hope that doesn't really like negate everything we've done so far you know exactly exactly and i hope they don't see this as the new baseline and start reacting because of this one week with an incredibly high amount of cases mm -hmm. so my worst case and i don't i don't quite think they're gonna do the setting everyone home virtual like you yeah. said because well, well i don't think they're gonna do that i think the worst case and again if i hope it doesn't come to this would be just clamping down on social life come spring mm -hmm. which again that would be devastating so, tough. so that's why i don't even want to take my mind there there was, yeah. I, was I was talking some i was talking to someone just like yesterday or two days ago and i was saying i was like oh we should do this in the spring and she was like um if we're back and i was like why would no. you why would you even say that to me right now i was in such a good mood you just killed my whole vibe had me thinking that there's a possibility we might not even be back in the spring but I don't quite think they're going to do that because I think they also promised that they weren't just going to send everyone home when they were bringing us back. I do see, or potentially, the social contract being what they try to implement, which, again, would be so stupid because I don't think there's any need for it. I say, come spring, we all come back. Quarant Even if they have to shut the eating clothes for a week or two like they did this fall, yeah. very fair to yeah. make sure everyone is negative and then just get things back open. So... It was just it's been a it's been a worrying week. It mm -hmm. a lot of flashbacks to 
our well uh spring of 2020 i was about to say our sophomore year but we're not the same (laughs) so there's just there's just been been a lot with that um and what so again this and now this is back to us being like you know we're missing our formals and all that how do you do you feel like there's a way that our like all the social stuff could have still happened this semester or do you think it was just so unfeasible and that it was just a great idea to shut everything down I mean, I would, I would love to see like even a member. Hey, me too. That was, that was what I was saying. (laughs) Test everyone one day. If whoever's negative, you get to go to formals. Right. I mean, yeah, from from an epidemiological perspective, if everyone's negative at the moment, right? Um, But yeah, I think you know, at the beginning of the semester, we did have a lot of like members only stuff at eating clubs, and you know, I think it's always a great. Like, I always want to bring more sophomores and freshmen in just to give them a chance to experience the club, but. You know, I think we are, we're all really looking forward to the formals. I have an excellent dress that I'm so sad I won't be able to wear. I had my fit ready, too. Right. It's been, it's been uh, ready to go. Yeah. I went home to get my jacket and everything. So yeah. I'm 10 minutes away. I was ready <laughs> to go. Yeah. So everyone, you know, they can wait to see our excellent yes. our excellent looks. Um, but I think there are, you know, even like breaking up, I don't know, the activity somehow into different parts, like, or, you know, I think there could be room in the club maybe to even spread people out a little bit. Like, I, I think I'm in TI, and I think, you know, they've done a really great job of, like, being careful about COVID regulations and restrictions and, you know, even, like, restructuring the way the dining hall looks right now just to make sure that everyone has space and a little bit of distance if they, uh, or, you know, just generally have has some more distance between everyone. But, um, yeah, I think we could we could see some, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, I think. Uh, so I would love to see some creativity on the part of university. I don't really know who's in charge of all this. Yeah, I feel like I think clubs. it's the university who they come up with the guidelines and then they have the ICC meetings with their ICC liaison. And then they basically tell the eating clubs what they have to do, which is annoying that they have to listen, which I don't think they have to. But I guess it's just easier for all sides if everyone's yeah. just cooperative at these times. But I agree. Kind of like you said, it would be cool to see the fresh, like a lot of the freshmen, sophomores come see the incomes. But at the same time, fuck them kids. Like we <laughs> want to have our thing. They will get yeah. their whole chances. I'm at a point now where I've missed so much right. over my f- sophomore spring when I joined. All my junior year gone. I haven't had, actually, I haven't had a formal as a member. Tragic. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, I was thinking about that, too. Like, different clubs have different schedules, right? I mean, one of my roommates is in CAP, too, and I know their formal's much later. Like, so they, I don't even think it was going to be this weekend. Or I actually might have that wrong. But regardless, like, you know, everyone kind of experiences things on different timelines, and especially for the seniors. Like, I, I feel very lucky to have at least a whole other year, you know, waiting for me. A year and a half, honestly, because of the spring. Um, but I think, you know, it's kind of like we have to have that Princeton experience where we can. And so once again, I think like creativity, you know, I would point to Yeah, that. yeah. And again, just to clarify, this is obviously something that's pretty trivial. But at the yeah. same time, I think that we have a right to still be disappointed that we're not getting to have these things. Because again, college is short. We've missed so much time and we would like to do the most, make the most of our, of our regular experience. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I like part of why I think this week was so like concerning too is it was like I don't want to get COVID you know like I think everyone doesn't want to avoid that um so it's kind of like you know really I want a good balance between being safe and having the things that we were looking forward to or you know are missing out on yes 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 all very well said um <laughs> I think that was everything yeah and then even the I guess the the testing two times a week that makes sense for now and then I feel like 
if after this week they do the test, we see who's positive, who's negative, they can also calm that down too. Because it's like it's not the biggest headache, but it is like a oh, I gotta spit into the stupid tube, get it there <laughs> yeah. by ten a.m., do this twice a week. I usually forget to do it once a week, so then yeah. the twice a week, and then even they if you're on a club sport, varsity sport, many activities, they make you do it three times a week. That's a lot of that's a lot of spitting. I I don't have yeah. that much saliva in me. I, I don't think I'd be able to do, make that happen. I know they're asking a lot. For- <laughs> they are asking, and this again, this is me with my. I want to. I'm lazy, and I don't want to do anything, and I just want to live my regular life. This is me with that hat on, saying, "Just leave me alone and stop <laughs> inconveniencing me in all these different ways." But you know, life will go on. I'll be all right. Right. I mean, I, I think it is great though that the university has like you can test every day if you want to. Yeah, is, true. That's in terms of like creativity or that you know. I think that's like okay, if someone is feeling really concerned or has, you know, a higher risk for COVID, like, they can have a little bit of their fears alleviated. Um, but, yeah, I think it, it, once again, is a flashback to the spring of, like, so many tests. Like, I remember when we came back for the fall, I was, like, talking to one of my friends on a gap year, and, like, we pulled up our COVID results, and I had, like, pages and pages <laughs> of tests. Yeah. She was like, oh, my gosh, like, whoa. It's a lot, because we used to do two a week in the spring. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I think for now, once again, short term versus long term. Hopefully, this is. I'm like I'm thinking one week. Yeah. But it's probably obviously everything has yeah. already been postponed. So. Yeah. But okay, I think we could hmm, put a pin on that topic and move on to um, what I said was the reason that I even thought about getting you on in the first place, other than you being a great person. <laughs> of course, I would want Claire on. But um, I was reading this article on the Daily Prince website. And the name of the article or the title of the article was Life After Accusation Inside Princeton's Honor Code. And so, you know, I think I don't usually read too much. I don't even know what reason. I was like, okay, let me click on this and just read through it. I guess I was sort of interested in the honor code and the the um, honor committee and all that because, again, it's not it's something we don't really know too much about. Right. But read through it. Very eye-opening article, to say the least. Um, and so I just thought it was something that should be talked about a lot more to shed a lot of light on the work you do, the honor code as a whole, the honor committee, just that whole system. So you said that you are a peer representative. Could you just start by going into detail about what that is? Yeah, definitely. Well, first I wanted to say thanks for reading the article. Obviously I didn't write it, but I think it is a really important story to be told. Um, yeah, so I'm a peer representative, uh, which is, I'm one of uh, 12 other students in an organization uh, that supports students accused of violating the honor code. So, obviously, Princeton University has a very strict honor code. Too damn strict. (laughs) Right. Um, And, you know, it is a student-run process. And so, a part of that process in the honor constitution, it's always sort of outlined that a student can request, has the right to peer representation. Um, And so, our group was founded to really provide like informed representation uh, because that could technically mean like your roommate could represent you at an honor committee hearing and as you said we don't know too much about the honor committee and the proceedings if you're not directly involved with the process Um, so you know peer reps have really been a great way to support students and help people who are feeling like so you know isolated or just confused about exactly what's happening to them um, get a sense of like you know okay this is these are the tangible next steps of like what happens when you have an initial meeting? What does it mean to prepare for a hearing? You know, what does it really mean to like, 
you think about your future after you've received an accusation, um, you know, saying that you might have violated the honor code. So, um, yeah, that's that's the organization. And so peer ups usually um, we're just assigned to cases um, and, and help support those students and on an individual basis. And just to clarify, and I think it was mentioned in the article, was this something that was always allowed or didn't it like take some time for the university to even say that you were allowed to have some someone else helping you with the um, defense? Yeah, yeah. So I think the date, if I'm remembering correctly, is 2003 when the language of having a like peer representation um, came into the honor constitution. So that allowed the opportunity to have someone represent you. Actually, as recent as November 7th, 2021, the peer organization is now also in the honor constitution, uh, which is really exciting. So that was just approved at a USG Senate meeting. Um, and it makes our organization a little bit more like real mm-hmm. in the eyes of the institution. Validates you a little more. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because um, we've really been sort of at the, the beck and call of the honor committee chair, which we've really appreciated their relationship with the organization. But it's nice to have some institutional, you know, validity. Back in here. Yeah. 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 Um, and so why would you why was this a role that you wanted to take on? Yeah. Um, so I met. Uh, one of the former co-chairs of the organization my freshman year, actually, during the academic integrity orientation meeting. Um, we have that? Yeah. Every- yeah, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we definitely do. Yeah. Clearly left a really big mark. <laughs> um, well, so every year for orientation, that's one of like the modules. Um, and I remember he just sat at my table and we, you know, it was like a small group to discuss like what is and is not plagiarism, right? But he mentioned that he was a peer representative. Um And so I was initially sort of intrigued by what that meant. But overall, you know, the reason why I applied and and really have, you know, followed through in the process is I I really think the honor code is important. You know, I think academic integrity is, you know, really should be top priority in everything we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) You know, I think we could also talk about the best way to implement academic academic integrity. Which I will ask you about. Yes, I don't answer that yet. Okay. Don't say what you think that is yet. But I think regardless, it's really important. And, you know, as Princeton students, obviously we have signed on to the honor code. And so I want to do, you know, I, I think supporting it is really important. But I think, you know, adjudicating the honor code is not the most important, or I'm not going to say most important, but it's not the only part of the process, right? You know, I think supporting students, helping us, my peers, understand what it really means to actually abide by the honor code and, you know, go through the process is, it's, it's a part of the honor code, right? You know, we have this constitution in place that outlines the way it all works. And so I think, you know, being a peer representative has really been an opportunity for me to not only support, you know, this process of academic integrity and these principles of honor that we really uh, have on this campus, but also just to make sure that, you know, no student is feeling completely isolated at Princeton. And I think, you know, there are a lot of ways that Princeton can be isolating. And I hope that, you know, my work as a peer up and, and the work as the organization, the work of the organization as a whole um, is mitigating against any of those, you know, potential feelings of isolation or confusion or just, you know, um, be, being jaded, really. Yeah. And honestly, it it's a pretty cool role that even exists on campus i don't know how many other clubs okay i don't know i don't whatever it's a it's one that is having actually a meaningful impact which is kind of cool i don't all this stuff i'm a club talker i'm in all these other things where <laughs> i'm just doing stuff for the fun of it i don't know what's like actually having an impact and helping other people so that's probably one of the coolest things to me is that you're actually taking the time out of your day to help other students so wait do you have any interest in law going forward or no i do um 
we don't have not all the peer ups are like humanities majors mm-hmm. um although we do have a lot um i personally am interested in going to law school um and working and you know as a lawyer hopefully defending or you know i don't know exactly where i would land but you know i think this work has showed me that it's something i'm really interested in doing and you're right you know it's one of the most meaningful things i've done on campus um so i think you know hopefully i can continue to kind of give back to the system um later in life too but for the sh- for the short term you know club soccer all those things are really important <laughs> too um but it definitely has in terms of my own involvement been like one of the most meaningful things i've done yeah and i def it definitely is great practice for what being a defense lawyer even is in the future but so when it comes to the honor committee or the honor code what is say student gets honor coded what does that process look like for them how much time do they have to defend themselves? What are the potential punishments? Just what is that whole process like of being being honor coded? Yeah, that's a big question. Which is um, something I hope will not. I hope it will never happen because yeah. I abide by the laws to the strictest of the T. That's right. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I love that attitude. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, it's something that happens to so few students on campus on balance, you know, um, but it is a bit of a process. So, you know, initially when an accusation is made, the honor committee spends a little bit of time just investigating exactly what that means. Um, and so the peer ups, in exam- for example, and the student in question, don't actually uh, come into the question until the investigation has happened. Um, but then, you know, a student will receive an email from the honor committee just saying, you know, we have this accusation and we'd like to ask you some questions. And this is the initial meeting. So really, it's just a chance to, like, figure out what's happening. So the student has no idea what's happening. The peer up that they can request has no idea what's happening. The investigators know, and but they don't really know the student side of things. So the initial meeting is sort of this, you know, you pick, they pick a time and, and you kind of go in and, and they say, okay, this is what's, this is sort of the accusation. Can you, t- can you tell us about it? So they'll ask a lot of questions. And at this initial meeting is when they decide whether or not it should go to hearing. Um, and who is this, this first part of the, the people who are deciding this, who would sec is that the honor committee still? Yes. Still, so the student group? Yes. So okay. these are the student investigators. Okay, student. Um, okay. Yeah. So we've seen over COVID there were there was a referendum. I think it was in twenty seventeen or twenty nineteen. All the years are kind of mixed up. Mm-hmm. That did allow for um, Otis administrative investigators to help out with the investigation process. Um, so in the case of a high like volume of cases, there might be an Otis investigator in, included in that investigative duo. But for the most part, there's always a student, and for the most part, it is students. Um, so these are members of the honor committee who are asking questions and who have run the investigation. Um, so you go into this, this little room and, you know, it's kind of like, okay, this, this is who these two people are. We're members of the honor committee and we want to get to know, um, what happened because ultimately what they're deciding is should they decide whether or not the student is responsible in the moment, right? Or should they send it to the full committee to be decided? So in the case that they think that the full committee should look at the, at the case, that's when it goes to hearing. So it could be that in the initial meeting, the investigators realize that there's really nothing to this accusation and that they tell the student in question, thank you, have a good day. And that's it. Um, but in the case that there's still a discrepancy or something seems unclear, or they just you know think it's a more serious case than you know they initially realized or whatever it might be, then they would say, okay, we're going to take this to a hearing. Um, and so what that means really is that this is when the student has the potential to receive a finding of responsibility, and a penalty. Um, that being said, going to hearing doesn't mean you're going to be found responsible, but it just means that 
in that case, like the only time you can really receive the penalty is in the hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that case, that's when the peer representative is really helpful to, in the initial meeting, the peer up is just a witness, just there for emotional support. Um, but once it moves to hearing, the peer up can really step in to explain what's actually happening um, and give the student an idea of what they're expected to explain to the committee um, and really provide to help their case. Honestly, this sounds like every law TV show that I've ever seen or law <laughs> movie where the defendant comes in and then they say, he's like, oh, I don't want to speak to my lawyer gets here. And you guys, <laughs> you guys are the lawyers. And so wait, just to again, clarify, because like, I want to make sure that I'm understanding this. So the first initial hearing, that's a student group. And then the full committee is also student group. Yes. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm understanding the complete student involvement here. Because for me, that's another thing where I'm like, eh, and we'll get into this a little bit more. Or we'll, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get into this more later. Just the. The fact that this is all placed on students and the fact that that burdens on students and that sort of responsibility who I don't know if they qualify to be out here telling their peers that they need to leave for it. Just, yeah, we'll, right. we'll speak about that a little bit. But um, one of the things that I read, one of the students who got uh, investigated, they said they spoke about how the 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 nature of the questions were very like adversarial. Would you, from your experience speaking with or defending people, would you say that that's the sort of experience that they've had also? Because from and anyone who's ever been investigated by Otis for whatever, and this is different from Otis, but I'm again, they're all very similar. They all work for the same people there. <laughs> I it's I feel like they come in with a target in mind and they are they say to themselves, we're going to prove that this person did this rather than being open minded and just being like, oh, what is this general situation? And let's paint the whole picture. So from your experience defending people, would you say that when they're being questioned, they feel like it's coming from a place of fairness, not a place of you're already guilty and we just want to find that point? Right. That's a good question. You know, I think one clarification I would just start off with is that the process is not actually like a court of law. Right. Or you know, it really shouldn't be. There, you know, there is no prosecution. The investigators, you know, really are, they take on this role of just, like, being an unbiased party who is presenting... Unbiased, quote-unquote. <laughs> who is presenting the evidence, right? You know, someone has to serve that role. Um, and then, you know, I, I think we, we really try not to think of it as an adversarial relationship between the student and the honor committee because, you know, really what it is is a fact-finding effort, Right. Um, you know, I think the stories in the article show, like, in some ways, very extreme experiences, and I think that's really important to show. Um, not every, like, initial meeting looks the same way, um, and so I guess what I would say is, you know, the process itself is not one of, you know, an adversarial, like, we must find this person responsible, but I will say that the process does often start from a point it's not really innocent until proven guilty it's not really guilty until proven innocent either right but it kind of you know the honor committee has a standard of overwhelmingly convinced and so they have to be overwhelmingly convinced by the evidence uh to find a student responsible which is a really high bar um and so that's you know from the student's perspective is a point of you know almost comfort hopefully in to some extent right because what the student can do is just introduce doubt in the minds of the committee and say, well, I didn't do this because of all these, you know, A, B, C, D factors. And that makes it a little bit harder for them to say, I am overwhelmingly convinced that you committed this violation. Um, so, you know, I think there have not every process, not every adjudication of this, of the honor code is, is perfect. And so, you know, I think 
what I really like about the article is, is it gives sort of something on which that we can like actually talk about, right? You know, because the whole process is also confidential. Um, but obviously, if students personally like feel like they want to tell their story, that's that's completely in their right. Um, but I think, you know, yeah, it, it's not supposed to be adversarial, and we really work to make sure that it isn't. Um, but in the case that there might be a question that feels, you know, out of place or really one-sided, that's, you know, really also an opportunity for the peer representative to try to step in and, and moderate that a little bit or maybe ask a clarifying question that might help, you know, the investigator kind of realize maybe, okay, wait, let me step back a little bit. Um, yeah. No, yeah, it does. It does. And I, honestly, yeah, it was maybe not the easiest question to answer. But so uh, taking a step back a little bit, different question. Just overall, would you say that you think the process is fair? I do. I think so. Um, I think the what is really tough about the process is that it is one, so unfamiliar and two, the stakes are really high. Um, and so that makes regardless of like how you experience the process, it makes you know, every interaction you have feel like a hundred times more important, more stressful, more like end all be all. Um, and so I think in the grand scheme of things, like, you know, even some of those students were not found responsible, right? Like, you know, you can have sort of a really stressful experience and, and still come out with the finding of not responsible, which I think is why, you know, it's really important to know how the process works, right? Because it, there's no denying that it's a really tough process, right? But it still, um, you know, I think does achieve its end goal of being a fact-finding mission to really say what actually happened, you know, what should we really assign to the student in terms of responsibility and or penalty. Um, yeah, so short answer, I think, yes, it is a fair process. Long answer, I think there are always questions about how to improve a student's experience within the process. And I, you know, I think that an institution can often be really defined by the way it adjudicates discipline and I think for that reason, you know, Princeton and, and every institution should always pay extra attention to the experience of those going through the process. Yeah. And you mentioned a little bit earlier that you would like to see the either the honor code or the process change in, in, in some sort of way to, I guess, do just that, have the students in mind and make sure that the process that everyone is getting through without having to use CPS resources or whatever. So in what ways do you think that the whole either the honor code or the process of being accused should be changed? Yeah, well, you know, to answer this question, I'm really going to separate myself from the process because I think um, as a peer representative, you know, I really, I really, my focus is supporting students regardless of the process. Um, I think as a Princeton student, though, completely separate of any involvement, you know, one thing that I've always found to be interesting, and even, you know, as the article sort of mentions, is that it's mostly... I mean, I've never encountered any, like, any, you know, thing that has to, of disintegrity, is that the word? We'll go with it, yeah. Um, We're going with the yeah, flow, we'll sure. Go, okay, disintegrity, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I think, like, I don't really have a sense that there is a lot on this campus, right? I mean, even just in terms of numbers, there are not that many students who go through the process. But, uh, you know, as the article mentioned, um, it is mostly professors who are doing reporting. And I think that's a question that should be asked, like, over and over again is like how you know what exactly are we agreeing to in the honor code right we have this system of okay we ourselves are agreeing to complete every examination and ass assignment with a sense of honor and with you know an abide abiding by the process um signing the honor pledge 
But part of the honor code is also saying that we're going to hold each other accountable. And, you know, I don't know if that's practically what we are seeing on this campus, right? And I don't know if that's necessarily what we should be seeing from a, the perspective of a Princeton student. I mean, part of, like, when I take a test, I'm not thinking about my fellow peers, right? Exactly, yeah. It's, it's hard, it's <laughs> yeah. stressful, and I don't take that many tests, right? Because I'm a history major. But I, I, you know, I don't think I've ever gone into an exam thinking I need to check out what my other fellow students are doing, right? Because I go into an exam thinking, okay, I hope I know all this material, like, processing, you know, the way I studied my notes and, like, really trying to remember things. And so I think um, that's just a question that we should always sort of ask ourselves about the process is really, like, how is it designed and how is it actually being implemented or, you know, carried out, really? Um, and I think there might be some discrepancy between those two things right now in terms of at Princeton's Honor Code. Um, and so those are questions that I hope, you know, USG will ask, the administration will ask, just student, the student body in general will ask. Um, you know, one thing I'm really grateful for is that in the process, you know, we've seen a really great expansion of like how, what it even means to go through the process in terms of penalties. Um, there was a recent referendum that expanded the penalties. It's not just suspension for everything now. Now there's a spectrum of like going everything, something as low as a reprimand, which is like a slap on the wrist. Pretty rare, but still possible all the way to expulsion, right? But that means reprimand, probation, one semester of suspension, which ultimately results in a year of separation, and then, you know, one, two, three years of separation, that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, that means that it doesn't, it's not guaranteed that if you're found responsible, you're going to have to leave. And so that gives a little more flexibility and comfort within the process, too. So I think, you know, thinking from the perspective of a Princeton student, one thing I just really always want to make sure is, like, what I'm agreeing to and you know, the code of honor that I'm following is really the, the, the best and, and, you know, make sure that it fits the needs of the students on this campus right now and in the future. Um, and so I think, you know, once again, kind of comparing that practical versus theoretical uh, aspects of the process. And do you see, and you mentioned that uh, the, the component of the professors being the ones who are, I guess, accusing students, do you see that, is, is it usually more, um, are more of the accusations usually coming from professors or students? I know over COVID it was mostly professors because we're all taking stuff over Zoom, so we there's no way to see if someone's cheating over or when they're taking an online remotely or taking an exam remotely. But um, I guess pre-COVID, would you are were the majority of um, accusations by students or professors? Do you know? I actually don't know. Okay. Um, I started working in the process fall of 2020, so okay. my sophomore year. Um, so during COVID. Okay. Fair. 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 <laughs> um, but I think I think I could say with reasonable confidence that it is the trend in the past few years, at least, is mostly professors. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, I don't really know exactly how to fix it, but I think it's something that probably should be fixed. Okay. And even when it comes to students accusing other students, kind of like you said, I have never, ever, ever once in my life gone into an exam and said, <laughs> let me look around and basically proctor this exam and look to see who's cheating while I'm also taking this exam myself. And so that is, isn't that a part of the, the, the honor code where it says if you see someone else cheating that you have to report that or you could get in trouble also? Yeah, everyone has an obligation to report any encounter that they have with. Bullshit, I don't have an obligation to do anything. That is one of those things where... In this, it, it's to me, it has a lot of parallels between um, 
but with with people uh, like students telling on each other or not telling like s- reporting an honor code violation and it takes me back to last spring where it was people snitching on each other for breaking whatever sort of of um social contract violation the way that i look at these things is like if no one student-wise complained or said anything about anything no one would be getting in trouble at all and so last spring if no one would snitch on each other no one would get kicked off campus no one would get in trouble with exams if no one said anything about each other no one would get in trouble and honestly you mentioned earlier which i think we should talk about because you said that the the what well, something about the honor code being like a system that it's like I forget what you said, but it was something where I was like, I disagree. You were saying how the honor system is something that's like really important and it's mm. one of the most valuable things we have here. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that. Mm. I think we, no one comes in here and is trying to cheat their way to the top or cheat their way out. And I think people have moments of lapses where they, through stress, through whatever reason, they might slip up and maybe violate the honor code if that happens one time is it really the end of the world is that person really such a horrendous person that they need to go through this whole process life happens stuff happens so i don't think that that yes honors matter i mean honor matters and all that but i don't think to the point where that needs to be placed above everything else and so it in my mind when it comes to something like the honor code even if it like and even so if say someone gets a um accused of the honor code they get in trouble they don't get in trouble someone who might be breaking the honor code and doesn't get in trouble we are all going to this like exact same end point whereas i don't where i don't think that just because you you might violate the honor code and get in trouble for it i don't think that that's changing the the direction of this person so much and i don't think it's essentially like changing who they are as a person so in my mind i see the honor code as this thing that it exists to scare a lot of people, but even if it didn't exist, I think we would all reach the same endpoint regardless. Which is why, like, this whole this whole thing just seems like annoying to me. I don't think anyone should have to be put through this because even and again, and I'm just ranting at this point. But <laughs> if someone's cheating, personally, I see that as a victimless crime. Personally. And with something like that, I don't really see say you cheat, you get an A on an exam. Like, good for you. We're all going to get our degree at the end of the day. Unless you're someone who's so worried about your GPA or you want to be the valedictorian, I don't really see how someone else cheating on an exam really affects me in any sort of way. And I don't really see, I don't think it affects, I might be wrong, you might have your opinions. I don't really think that them cheating affects anybody else. You get away with it, you don't get away with it. We're all going to get our degrees and move on to our lives at the end of the day. So it's another one of those things where the process just seems like it exists to maintain this one honor code that we've put so much like emphasis on and we've made it seem such a big part of our experience. Whereas I think if it didn't exist, there would be zero outcome in the way that, that we change things. Cause I don't, we, we, if you're, people who are going to cheat, they're going to cheat. People who are not going to cheat. They're not going to cheat. I don't think that the honor code is really deterring people as much as we think it is personally. That was a lot. I know I just rambled for like three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think um, I think that I would disagree and say that the honor code, I think, is is very important. Which is fair. This might be the first disagreement I've ever had on Go With The Flow. <laughs> yes. But, but I, I think what's interesting about Princeton is that we all come in agreeing to it already, right? Do we? 
Yeah. Do I have to? Wait, when, yeah. did, when, did, I, when did I agree so to it? So this is what's interesting about it. There's So when we matriculate, there is one of the little modules, I guess. I don't know if they're called modules, but I'll go with that, is a form where you have to read the honor constitution and you sign it. And you say, I, as a Princeton student, am agreeing to this system. I bet you 95% of students don't know they signed that. Well, you know what's interesting? I was actually looking up um, just you know, in my free time, Googling about the honor code. Um, no, but I was, I was just curious kind of what, like what coverage there is of after this article actually. Um, and, and I found this New York times article from 1985 where a student didn't sign that paper. They said when they were matriculating, they, I think the student in the interview was like, I had some questions about it. So I didn't want to sign it until I got to campus. And then the administration, once the student got to campus was like, oh my gosh, wait, we just matriculated the student who didn't sign the honor code. Like, what do we do about this? And so the student, I think, in the interview had said that they um, definitely look up this interview. I, I might be, you know, misquoting, and I'm not quoting directly by any means, but um, they said something about how I think their qualm was the obligation to hold each other accountable because I think the individual integrity aspect versus that collective accountability, those are the two sort of, uh, twofold part of, of what we're signing to. Um, and so what the student, I think, ended up doing was they had to have every examination proctored individually because they did not sign the honor code. So I think, you know, what you are speaking to, what I see you speaking to really, is is that students don't really understand what the honor code is, right? Like most people may not know that they signed it, Right. And so I think there that's another example of in terms of discrepancy, right? There's the process assumes that every student is in complete understanding of what it means to have signed on to this honor code. And I think personally, I, I don't know if that's true, right? And so I don't know if I completely agree with you about just the question of, of you know, cheating in general. Which most people don't. It's probably a hot take, but that's just, yeah. But you know, you're, you're definitely valid in your opinions. Um, but I think like what... I would really draw out of out of what you just said it is that fact that most students probably I mean on the one hand I don't think really know the process at all right and I think because the process seems so scary that is something that understanding how it works in any capacity is, is already just helping helping things but but I also think understanding what acad academic integrity means is something that the university can always do more of uh, of uh, facilitating really um, because yeah, you know, we do sign on to this thing. And, and maybe if everyone was really aware of what that meant, it would change the way the process actually looked, right? Um, and so maybe we wouldn't see a discrepancy between theory and implementation. And there could be merits to that or, or not. Um, but regardless, you know, we shouldn't have a system that nobody understands, right? Or, or no one really knows. And so even the fact that, you know, we didn't remember the academic integrity module or, or uh, meeting from freshman orientation, you know, I, as junior, we just did a, an academic integrity refresher. Um, but even in that, I don't think there was necessarily a mention of like, this is really what the honor code means. So I think regardless, there could be and should be more effort to really make sure that students understand what it means to live underneath the honor code and what it means to sign on to that. And because I think there is, when you go through the process, it, there is no choice in going through it, right? If you received an accusation, you have to follow through. You have to go to the initial meeting. You have to go to a hearing if they ask you to go to a hearing. Um, because that's part of what we've agreed to, right? 
but it feels really unfair at maybe at your first thought because you didn't realize that that was something you agreed to, right? So I think just like stepping back and realizing that maybe where we have to start with any of these conversations is just baseline understanding is a really, like, I think that could be something that the administration, like, I don't even know about the administration, but just anyone, like, when you're thinking about the process or discussing the process or even trying to make judgments about the process, like, maybe the conversation should always start with that. What do you think the honor code means? What does it mean to this individual? What does it mean to a student in question, right? Um, I think a lot of people going through the process just might not have any idea what it means. And then that's, that's a problem in itself, right? So, you know, as a peer up, I hope to clarify any questions and, and you know, in, in for the student question going through the process. But I think, you know, there is a role to be filled outside of the process of like, you know, making sure that students really know what it means to have an honor code on Princeton's campus. Fair. Okay. And, uh, and okay. I, I, I respect <laughs> your opinion. I think all that makes sense. But switching directions a little bit when it comes to the honor committee members because in my mind well i read this article to me they were the most and they were the the part i didn't really understand um so my, i guess my first question is why do you think this is a committee that any student would serve on well i think students serve on the committee one you know it is a student-run process so i think that having students on every side is is really important. No, if they didn't exist, no accusations, no punishments, <laughs> no nothing. That's my thing. No one is making them do this job where they get their other fellow students in trouble. <laughs> well, you know, one thing the article also, I think, mentioned is is just how, you know, I think uh, maybe the clerk of the honor committee said just how tough it is for them. And again, I'm not going to sympathize because, again, just don't do it. But sorry, continue. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I would say that, you know, being in the process on all sides like making because it is sort of this fact-finding mission right everyone is doing a really important job I think in, in achieving that goal and hopefully that goal is achieved to the best of, of its you know capacity but um, I think you know the honor committee is also interesting because the presidents of each class serve on the honor committee what that's part of who's I don't know who the 22 president is. Is that Santi? I think. Is that Chris? That's either Christian Potter or Santi. I don't know the difference in the uh, roles. So Christian Potter is the USG student. <gasps> so it is Santi. So oh my Santi. goodness. This so is news to me. I wonder also, I I don't know exactly if it's all three classes. I think definitely 23, 24 uh, class presidents serve on the honor committee. Um, and, and, you know, I think part of the reasoning behind that is, once again, like they're representing the student body or their class of the student body. Um, and part of that, I think this all really comes down to, right, you know, Princeton students understanding what it means to have the honor code, once again, like, the honor committee is a really important part of the process, because not only do they find students responsible, they also find students not responsible, and so I think, you know, it is important to have someone making that decision in an informed way, regardless of, you know, I think we can both agree that the system is is regard it's always going to be negative because it could have you know because of the, the way that sort of what it assumes about a person right but i will say that the one shining light is that every student could be found not responsible yeah, and yeah. so i would <laughs> say that the honor committee role is still very important for honor code um but i as a, you know speaking once again only as a princeton student in, in this little capacity in this segment um 
I think it is still very tough to imagine, like, yeah, condemning your students, your yeah. students to something. And so, once again, like, I think the process is really important, but still extremely difficult. And, like, that's something that, once again, in conversations about it should always really be something to discuss, right? Why is it so difficult? Is there something we could change to make it less so, right? That's, you know, from a Princeton's, the mindset of my experience as a Princeton student, I'm always looking to improve the experience at this university and, you know, for fel- for future students, but also for us right now, you know, whether it be we should have eating club formals or, you know, we shouldn't feel really scared about the system of academic, academic integrity that we have in place. Yeah, and I think you you are doing that as a PR rep, making making life better for Princeton <laughs> students. But the honor committee members, I don't quite see it that way. And honestly, I this is a type where I need to just speak to one of them and be like, "Why exactly do you, do you do what you do? Is it really that necessary?" Because there only is a need for a PR rep because there are people on the other side who have to. Okay, so other than the president of the different years, who well, I guess. They must be mandated to do it. But there's definitely people who volunteer and do this. It's like their extracurricular activity. Like, oh, let me adjudicate this and go on this fact-finding mission and potentially get my peers in trouble. I promise you there's other clubs that you could probably go do to be on fact-finding missions that don't potentially harm your fellow students. Because I, I don't understand. Because the, the way that I process things, the way that I go through I'm minding my business. I If you cheat, God bless you, I will not try to get you in any sort of trouble so i just don't understand why anyone else feels the need to even do that and i see what you're saying i saw in the article also there where they were saying that they cry sometimes it's hard for everyone involved you know how you remove yourself from that pain and that crying and that whatever else just don't do it no one is begging you to and this is nothing where we're going to disagree on because you say they're doing important work i don't think they are they don't have to be doing what they're doing leave people alone mind your business this so that it Again, I don't, I just, I need to speak to one of them. I need to be put in touch with not the presidents who are mandated to do it, but everyone else who signs up to do it just of their own free will. Because I'm try, I've tried, I've really tried to like sit and think about why anyone would do it if they think it's a noble cause, if they just love the honor code so much. I need to have them explain it to me themselves to fully appreciate it. But again, that's just one of those things. Everyone has their own way of operating. And I honestly, maybe. An episode next se- or next half of the season. Honor com- honor committee members, this is your open invite. Come speak to me. Let me get into your head and understand why it is that you do what you do. Well, you know, I would say to that, I obviously cannot speak to the experience of being on the honor committee. I am not on the honor committee, but I, I think it's also important to remember the other systems of discipline on campus, right? We have the committee on discipline and also the residential college Board. Oh, they suck. I will say this for anyone who has ever been in an Otis investigation. Ugh, they, it's, and I won't even, because I don't want to say too much about anything, but they, that is another system where it feels very much so like you are guilty until proven innocent. And then again, when they come in with some sort of accusation, they just feel like they know everything that they're saying. Oh, so frustrating. You, and they, I'm not even going to get into the Ivy business, but it, it's been, that is not a fun, a fun, none of these disciplinary boards are fun people to deal with and don't ever make the mistake of thinking that they're your friends because they're not, they're there for a reason. And so that's all I'll say on that. I think, you know, where I would go with that though is, you know, 
there every each of those processes ha- works differently, right? And and the honor committee is unique because it is student run, and I think that, you know, I I mean, first I would remove anyone in the process, like from their role in the process, although that can be difficult, right? Um, but I think you know the impact that the process has might be negative in one case, but that doesn't mean that the person within it is also like personally wants that. But but I do think that. Um, I think the honor committee is uniquely valuable because there is the, like, it's almost a little bit less of a power dynamic when it's fellow students. It might be hard to, like, wrap your head around a little bit, but I would say that if I were in a student in question, I don't think I would want, like, faculty deciding my, like, my fate in some ways. I think that fellow students who can really understand what it's like to sit in an exam room without a proctor and who can really understand what it's like to study for weeks for one midterm on top of taking a bunch of other classes and being involved in a bunch of other stuff. You know, these are just sort of aspects of the process of being a student in general. But, you know, I think one really great benefit of the honor code is that it is student run. And I think that is unique about it. And I wouldn't necessarily want everything to be adjudicated by non-students. And the only pushback I'll give on that is that the a few of the students who were interviewed in the article did say that that power dynamic still exists, even There's with the honor committee. So I, yeah, but. but I think just thinking about comparatively, right? Obviously, once again, like these processes, their their goal is to be something related to discipline, right? They are deciding if they should provide a penalty or not. But and and, and I really don't disagree in that it is a very like very negative process in general, right? Because the implication of it is that someone did something wrong or something bad, right? Even if that's not necessarily true. Um, but I think, yeah, that's something just to kind of consider, I would I would say, for maybe anyone listening or just, you know, for all Princeton students, really, is, you know, like I said earlier, I think an institution can really be defined by its systems of discipline. And so that means that we should always be trying to improve them. But I think Princeton itself is unique because there are different kinds of discipline, right? There, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, probation, disciplinary probation can be applied in a lot of different cases for very different things, right? Um, And that's a question that maybe we should ask, right? Should the penalty for missing a COVID test be the same as writing over time on an exam, right? No. And that's, that's an answer that might be possible, Easy answer. Right? <laughs> Very um, easy. But, you know, I think there could be an argument in the other direction. But regardless, like, there should be a conversation about it, right? Um, and so I think it's always easier to have these conversations with fellow students, I would say, um, especially because we are all in the same place to some extent, right? So I don't deny that there is still a power dynamic, but I do think that um, it being a student-run process makes it a little bit easier to... Honestly, I can't even speak to the, I cannot for sure speak to the experience of being a student in question. Like, it is really undeniably unique and difficult, right? It is so stressful. And hopefully as a peer up, we are alleviating some of that. But obviously there's something, you know, we can't, we can't do everything, right? Um, But I think from my perspective, my removed perspective as, you know, Princeton student individually, but also working as a peer up, I think 
I see a lot of value in the process being student run. And that requires students on all sides, as tough as it might be to imagine, like being in different roles. Fair, 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 fair. Not that I agree, but I see where you're coming from. And I honestly, again, like I said, this is the first episode I've recorded where there's been a topic of conversation where I've had a... a deferring point of view from the guests and it's fun it's a healthy conversation i respect (laughs) you i see where you're coming from i'm not mad at your opinion i we both understand where we're coming from i think and so it's again healthy conversation conversations that need to be had just to fully unpack what exactly is honor code honor honor committee on it all that whatever whatever but cool but we've already done an hour and four minutes. And so because of that, I'm going to transition to more fun topics. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like I said, I asked you to, this is a segment that I did last time, the five songs. And it's very topical because yesterday was Spotify rap day. Oh, Such yeah. an exciting day. Every probably 90% of the people that I bumped into or talked to, I made them show me their Spotify rap. <laughs> if they use Spotify, if they didn't use Spotify, try to get them to switch that to <laughs> over from apple music right. so before we even get to the five songs that i asked you to prep do you have your spotify wrapped on you could you just whip that out please i can um <laughs> i think that i have good music taste i would hope personally. so i would hope everyone thinks that their music yeah, taste is good actually, I don't, you're so right it yeah. would be weird if anyone was like oh i listen to i my music taste is bad well then listen to fucking something else that's <laughs> what are you doing that's such a great point um, and i yeah i think spotify rap is so funny though because um i don't know it's just like a funny little metric you know it's like what does it really mean Sometimes it's like, I can't believe that's like true in some ways. The amount of people yesterday who were like, this is not accurate. And then they would try to justify why their <laughs> song said what they were. I'm like, guys, the numbers don't lie. That is what you listen to, whether or not you like it or not. But yeah. So true. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. So, okay. What do you want? What do you I want w- to know? First, um, most listened to genre. Oh, um, my most listened to genre is dance pop. Dance. That was my third that's my third okay. that's my third yeah. which i don't what is dance i don't, I don't know i don't know what that's dance. What's funny about this too is that i feel like i'm like learning so much about like the music industry or the yeah. way things are classified um because i yeah i think i'm not i don't have a good sense of all these different like, yeah I, I, yeah because dance pop was also my third but i couldn't tell you what a dance pop song is i wish they would put the songs under each genre yeah, under them yeah so we can like see oh this is the dance pop song that i listen to but okay um I think dance pop is kind of i mean i don't want to say it's top 40 because i feel like there's you know i don't want to be a top 40 <laughs> but, um, but i do think it's that kind of vibe okay know? fair fair and then um top artists okay top artists so number one is taylor swift okay saw a lot of those because again i clicked through everyone's instagram stories yesterday because i want to see everyone's a lot of taylor swift's in there a lot of new music this year we have to true 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 and you know great music no i'm not yeah i'm not mad i like i like (laughs) i like some of the taylor songs yeah um number two is kanye west nice me too Okay. I, I, I'm going to give my list next, but actually, you go. Okay. Sorry. You know, I actually used to be, not not to flex, but I used to be in Kanye's top 1% of Whoa. listeners. Whoa. Okay. I personally <laughs> thought I still would be there, but I guess I listened to a little bit more Taylor. A little more Taylor. Um, but yeah. Um, number three is Drake. Number four is Ariana Grande. And number five is Olivia Rodrigo, which is honestly funny to me because 
I think like a ton of people had Olivia Rodrigo in their like top five. In their top five. There, she was another one I saw a lot of. Yes. And like valid. But I don't honestly know if I listened to her that much like comparatively. But I feel like also maybe I ended up listening to her a lot. The numbers don't lie. Yeah. No, <laughs> the it's, numbers but don't it's lie. it's funny that she's in everyone's. You she know was what in I mean? Not like, in mine. Okay, <laughs> Wait, I know. Okay. I see what you're saying. She wasn't a lot. <laughs> um. But good for her, you know. I liked her music. I liked her album. So, <laughs> um, those are my top five. Okay, my top five were J. Cole, number one. He's, I don't see a future in which he's not my most listened to artist. Okay, so valid. One per, top one percent. That's my guy. Every mm-hmm. this is my first spot. Which another, which was another reason this was so exciting for me. This is my first Spotify Wrapped because I switched oh. from Apple Music at the start of the year. I used to be the die on the, die on the hill that Apple Music is much better. <laughs> Can confirm as someone who's a diehard Apple Music person. Spotify is so much better. Okay, this is the ad right this here. Is, this is the ad. They should sponsor me also. I want the exclusive podcast. So, one, J. Cole. Two, Kanye West. Three, Wizkid, Nigerian artist, one of the biggest artists in the world. Yeah. Number four, Joe Boy, who's also a Nigerian artist, also great. And number five, Drake. So, we have two. Okay. Two, two in common. Yeah, two in common. Okay, top songs. Okay. Um, my top song was Solar Power by Lord. I the reason that I I listened to that yesterday because I saw it on so many people's top really? songs. I was like, what? I never heard that song. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, I really like it. I don't love the entire album, but I think that song in the summer it was kind of just what I needed. You Fair know, enough. Such Fair a enough. happy vibe, and I was like, yes, this is. So it, I, this is another reason I like it so much because it puts me onto a lot of different music, and I love seeing what people listen to. And sometimes I see what they listen to, and I'm like, makes a lot of sense. Sometimes I'm like, who even are you? <laughs> I know. No. It's actually so interesting, I think, because I think a lot, you know, on balance, we spend so much time listening to music and I'm always kind of me being like the nosy person that I am. I'm so curious to know what are people listening to listening to when I tell you for me, it could be high school musical on a given day. It could be it could be anything. My range is all over the place, but sorry. Continue. Yeah. Number two is Take Care, which is Drake and Rihanna. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's funny because a lot of these are my paper writing songs. <laughs> Take care. Solar Power was my internship. I like listened to that on repeat, kind of. Um, Take Care was my paper writing song. Uh, Gold Rush, Taylor Swift. Don't know it, but okay. It's from Evermore, one of my favorite songs. So good. Would recommend. Uh, number four, <laughs> it's kind of funny to me. It's Fast Motion by Sweetie. Okay. And the reason why this is on my list is because it was the most binged song, or the song you binge listen to the most. That's what. What was the period in time where you felt the need to binge? This was in the lead up to my spring, one of my spring exams. Oh, okay. It was one of you know the end of the spring last year was just a tough time. It was indeed. I would say that this came on, and I was like, you know what. Because my, I really, when I listen to music, I like listen to the music. So I don't do great work when I'm actually listening Same. to music. Yeah. Of course, I studied for an exam <laughs> exclusively listening to music. That's a really great sign for me. <laughs> but I usually my solution is listening to the same song so then i know mm. like i already know the song you know so mm-hmm. i don't have to think about it so much so this one was really repetitive and very upbeat and i needed that like motivation almost like heart racing like adrenaline you know um to really keep me going so that was a tough time in my life you know <laughs> really this really took me back to it number five is say it by maggie rogers don't know it, but I will. Again, these are all song recommendations. Yeah, no, it's such a great opportunity. I really like Say It. I think it's just a, once again like a really fun. I would, I would say Gold Rush, Solar Power, Say It are very similar vibes. 
Okay. So those are one, three, and five for me. Okay. And then okay. two and four are my paper writing <laughs> and studying. Time. So really, you know, it's a great amalgamation. Um. Okay. My top fives. Number one is a song called "Show Me." It's by Joe Boy. Many people don't know it. Great song. Highly recommend. Okay. Two was "Friday Feeling" by another Nigerian artist, Fireboy DML. That is the song that I start every single Friday with, so it makes sense. It's Wait, obviously that's one of amazing. It's such a good song. It is. Just, it gets my vibes going. It's highly recommended. Start your Fridays with Friday feeling. You won't. You won't regret it. I'll remember tomorrow. <laughs> um. Uh, oh yeah. What's today? Today's Thursday. Oh, it's already Thursday. Crazy. Wow. Week's gone. Um. Number three, Pure Souls on the on Donda. Phenomenal mm-hmm. song. I thought it would be my most listened to song, but it came out too late in the year for that to be the case. Mm-hmm. If it came out earlier, definitely would have been. For heartbreak anniversary people see that they're like are you sad no it's just a great song it is objectively a great song yeah. and actually no i'm not gonna ask that because there's another one of the tiger confession songs relates to this in a certain way okay. and number five is essence by Wizkid, which i believe to be the song of the fucking year great song I, Do, you don't know that song no. that is the one song you should, out of that whole list just essence and friday feeling okay. those are the two you should listen to Perfect. okay cool and i just very timely that um that came out yesterday because the new segment new segment um was the five songs that i asked you to prepare and so for these i'll you'll go one at a time and i asked you to prepare five songs that what was it like describe who you are as a person so for each one say what it is and then say why you chose that song song number one Okay, song number one is Love Song by Sarah Bareilles. Is that I'm gonna watch you love, love song? Yeah. Sweet. Okay, <laughs> why that song? <laughs> um, that one, I kind of was thinking of, I kind of put these into categories. This okay. is a really hard decision. Let me just first say. No, I believe it. It's not an easy question. Five songs um, to define who you're like, describe who you're as yeah. a person. It's not easy. I was like, last night, I was just like listening to all my favorites. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is a good song, but I don't know if it's like <laughs> I don't really know if this describes me either, but um, this one was a like throwback kind of. I feel like this was when I was like seventh grade. I really loved the music video. I remember, and it was just my like first like encounter into like I don't know. I feel like it was like my first favorite song. Maybe. Okay, I like that. So I I picked it. I think it's still a really great song. You know, maybe a little um, stick it to the man kind of energy, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, that's song number one. Number two. Number two. Uh, is all the stars oh that's the the one from black panther yes kendrick lamar SZA. um this one is kind of like brings up it like reminds me of a memory kind of um i don't even know what summer that was like 2017 maybe what summer was black panther was that my freshman year of college so honestly i think it might have been the 2017 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know it was like i feel like it just takes me back to like that carefree like suburban summer where i was like hanging out with my friends and going to like wreck baseball games and like <laughs> ra- you know like whatever just the most random stuff but um yeah that one really takes me back and it's just a good vibe nice three uh three i gave kanye his own section um and these five love that <laughs> um, and i picked monster okay um Mostly because of Nicki Minaj. Yeah, kind of my party her verse. Trick. I know her whole verse. I will I like be asking you for that at a later at a later point in time. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I love Kanye, huge fan. Me, I um, I love him. He yeah. And I feel like that song's kind of just an iconic one. It is. I also like a long song. I would say, and I like that that one has like a bunch of different features, a bunch of different verses, but it is still like it's a bop the whole time. Yeah, you know. 
most of the songs that I, on that album, like even Runway or Runaway, whatever, yeah. whichever one is so long but so good. Yeah, Devil, in, album, Devil in a New Dress. That's one of the. A lot of people voted that my uh, my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy as their best album of the last decade or yeah. Yeah, 2010. So great album. Yes. Yeah, I think I think it has some of the best songs. I think cohesively he has better albums. What's your favorite Kanye album? Cohesively. Like okay, my favorite is I think College Dropout. To me, mm-hmm. top to bottom, no skips, great album, great yeah. cohesiveness, all the different interludes and I all that. I love his old stuff because it's a story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you yeah. listen through the whole thing. Actually, I don't know if you heard about this with Adele, like, 30. Yes, how she, she made Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. So, yeah, cause, <laughs> which makes sense, because when yeah. I listen to new albums, I listen all the way through, because Same. that's the way artists want you to do it. Right. Stupid Spotify. I need Adele to yell at them to change that I feature. Know. but Adele <laughs> would make that change. She, <laughs> I love her so oh, much. I, I, I drink wine on her new album. <laughs> And Love is a Game. Those two songs, if the metrics were for... Because Spotify Wrapped actually cuts it off at the end of October 31st. At the end of October. I heard that, yeah. And so if it was accurate, I swear they would have gotten into my top five. Oh, Straight yeah. off the listens in three weeks. Abs- absurd. Album. Great album. Oh, loved it. Um, yeah, I, I wish I could have added an Adele section too, honestly. <laughs> um, okay, next I picked something classical. Um, I think... Not a lot of people listen to classical music. I definitely do. Um, but, you know, not like, it's not my most listened to as evidenced by Spotify. Yeah. Um, but I, I love classical music. Um, I'm a classically trained violinist, as I said. Uh, so, you know, a special place in my heart. Long story short, my piece is Tchaikovsky's first movement of his first violin concerto. Um, okay. <laughs> my favorite recording is by Isaac Perlman. Uh, <laughs> give it a listen. <laughs> no, I will. I will send send these na- send that name to me. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah, kind of a basic answer to be honest, but I just think it's a beautiful. That ain't no problem. That's all we're basic sometimes. That's okay. Um, and number five. Number five. This one I picked as like one of my current favorites. Okay. It's just a song I would recommend right now, um, and it's called "Lovesick" featuring ASAP Rocky. Who's that by? It's Muramasa. Someone just sent me, again, because I asked for every single person's <laughs> Spotify rap. I asked for someone's yesterday. She sent it to me. That was her second most listened to artist. And that song was on the top five list. So okay. now I have to listen to really it. It's a really good song. Okay, yeah. I, will list, I will go check it out. Okay, good. just good vibes. Good, I, I believe it. Now that it's two recs in basically 12 hours, I will listen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that coincidence. Mm. Yeah, those are my five. Love that, and honestly, I haven't. I have not put. Honestly, I'm not going to until like the last episode of the whole show. I'm not going to do my five songs because it's. <laughs> this is for me to get to know a little bit more about the guest. Um, but that's a, I like that segment. It's a fun segment. We've done well. This is. I told you this was going to be a long episode. <laughs> this I think we've already hit the longest episode ever. Whoa. Which I'm not mad at. But 10:26, we will hop right into the Tiger Confession section, which is the last part of the show. Um, uh, and so <laughs> both of these are song related, okay. which again, very topical. I was like, Ooh. <laughs> um, first one says y'all ever listen to love songs and just think about how little you relate. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think like for me, I, I don't know if I relate to love songs. Like I don't think I've ever been in love. Oh no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, romantic love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we're young. It's okay. No, I'm There's, looking yeah, forward to yeah, it, yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I like relate to love songs just because I think I feel a lot of love for a lot of things in my life, and I don't know. I just apply like maybe it's not like 
true, true love, right? Mm-hmm. I don't really know what that is, really. I don't know if anyone really knows, but... Um, oh, different conversation. Oh, that oh, do we, that, oh, that's all. Oh, if we didn't have... Oh, if we weren't short on time, we would delve into that. I, I'm writing that down as a topic for the future guest. Okay, love. Yeah, yeah, love. Um, oh, yeah, right. Um, and, yeah, so I think I... I relate, but not quite. Like, that's, I mean, that's what's funny about Taylor Swift, right? Like, I, I've never had, like, a really, really bad breakup. Mm-hmm. But, like, a lot of her songs are, like, perfect for if you had. And I think, like, I don't know. It's, I, like, still love her music, but I don't know if I quite, you know. <laughs> I don't have my Jake Gyllenhaal equivalent. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because, again, you touched on basically what the next question asked in a funny sort of way, which okay. is it's always funny how that works out. But to answer that first question, have you ever listened to love songs and think about just how little you relate? I so even something like Heartbreak Anniversary or any type of love song, I really don't think that you need to have yeah. gone through that because I've been in relationships. I've thought I was in love was really right. hind, hindsight, same, hindsight, yeah. not actually. But I could still listen to a love song and really appreciate that. And even for me, I'll listen to certain songs like a Let Me Love You by Mar- and do you know the song um, like Japanese Denim? All these songs, all these different R&B love songs, and I'll listen to them. And although I'm not in love, I still... I feel them. And they it's make it, you feel. They yeah. make you feel, which is just the power of the artist and the oh. music. And it, it seems to the point where for me, I'm like, kind of like you said, have never actually been in love. But then it makes you think of, oh, this is probably what love is like in yeah. a song. And I can't wait to have this with someone. And so I don't feel like, I don't think you need to have been in love or in a relationship to relate to love songs. Because probably that is pr- every, randomly every night r&b is like my go-to and it's mostly just love songs and in i'll just feels? not even <laughs> not even that i'm in my feels it's right. just it's good ass music yeah. and i relate not the not because i'm in love but i like the idea of what they're talking about so no i, I think I, good music stands on its own exactly yeah. exactly exactly um and then the second one which again you kind of touched on is it bad that I want to go through heartbreak? Question mark. I feel like these Adele and Taylor Swift songs are gonna hit even more. Wait, that's so funny. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like speaking talk of Taylor about Swift and Adele, dedication yeah. to the bit, right? You know, like, if you want to really experience the music, maybe that's one take would be um, really putting yourself in a similar position. I would like to avoid heartbreak wherever possible. I think, um, and. Luckily, I have not really felt it in, in such an intense way, um, which is is good. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I Because I honestly not a big sad song person. I like something that's really upbeat and like uplifting kind of. I don't know. I think generally I, I just I'm a pretty positive person. And I think like that energy I like to be reflected in my music. I think some sad songs are like just objectively so good that I have to listen. Um, but I, I can't say I would willingly go through... <laughs> heartbreak or something really tragic because I want to understand the music more because I I think honestly with that music it does stand on its own you know exactly and it's funny because there was actually someone who just yesterday because again Spotify rap music was on everyone's minds they said exactly this that they wanted to go through a breakup just so they could understand the music better I'm like no (laughs) fuck that no absolutely not and again have been through heartbreaks i'll put that in quotations and have been in the spot where it's like oh i'm so sad let me listen to all this sad music 
honestly, it does hit different. It does hit different. But even again, like I said, like Heartbreak Anniversary is my number three songs. Haven't had anything close to Heartbreak in years. Still love that song. Still, I don't relate, but I feel it. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think you need to go through heartbreaks or experience some sort of sharp emotion to really understand and feel the music. Because if the music is good, it will still hit the same. Yes, it probably hits just that much different when you are going through that emotion. But I think it hits enough without going through the emotion that I don't want to go through said sad emotion. I feel like the emotion is inevitable. That's just life, right? And so my thinking is like find the really good songs that are good and hit regardless and then when you really need them it's going to be like a next level experience yeah but we can't we can't like falsify that you know we can't like create i think that's like a spontaneous go with the flow go with the flow go with the flow let's go Um, but you know it's like i feel like i want like an arsenal of songs that are going to support me in whatever i'm going through yeah Uh, it's actually funny because i again haven't been through anything close to heartbreak in years i have a breakup playlist that's literally the emoji it's just like a broken heart emoji and then i have like a love playlist where it's just like (laughs) the full heart and i listen to both of those pretty frequently right not in love (laughs) not anything close to a heartbreak but it's just good fucking music (laughs) that's the thing everyone some they were like heartbreak anniversary are you good flow i'm fantastic actually it's just a great fucking song it's that simple Ugh. But yes, that and honestly, also on the topic of Spotify Wrapped, a few people sent me their rap showing that I was a top podcast, which is kind of cool. Wow. That felt kind of good. That's so awesome. thank you for everyone who listens. Congrats. This is, you know, cool little thing that I do. My little passion project. Oh, yeah. And we've done, again, the longest episode. I told you it was going to be long. Look, at, I'm <laughs> such a pro at this. That I just, I know the things. Now. Oh, the yeah. intuition is there. And everything was just so cohesive and all connected from the questions to the, uh, to the music, to everything. Um... <laughs> So, again, like we've done an hour, 25 minutes. Claire, thank you for coming on. Do you have any final words for the people? You know, I I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Um, I guess maybe just to wrap it up, you know, this is a call to action to learn more about the systems you're in and, and really figure out how you think, you know, you should interact with them or whether they need to change. Very well said. Um, and final words for me, not really much. It's been a good half a season. I'm again, I'll pick this up next semester, see where this goes post college, maybe. But this has been fun. Another great half a season, another 12 episodes in the books. I really enjoy doing this. Very fun for me. I was just listening back to episodes from the start of last season a few weeks ago, and it's so interesting to see how things have changed. Some have stayed yeah. the same. There's a growth. Some things, some things I want to stay the same. Some things I want to change. So say, cool. Do you cringe at all? Like, it was ever like, oh, why Why did I do that segment? Uh, no, fun. never cringeworthy, thankfully. That's good. I thankfully, I yeah. The episodes I listened to have been great. Appreciate that. Thank <laughs> you. Um, but yeah, keep going with the flow, everybody. This Princeton's hard. Enjoy yourself. That's always what I come back to. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. Worry about yourself. This it's okay to be a little bit selfish. Just do you. Have fun, and I guess have a good break. Cause you know, next time I talk to y'all, we will be in February. But yeah, this has been another episode of Go with the Flow. Thank you for listening.